Hello and welcome back to Don't Depend on Daddy, the podcast. My name is Michaela and I am your host and we are back today with another episode and the theme is going to be budgeting and planning for attending and being in a wedding. I do have an episode that I filmed a couple of months ago with my sister Alex where we talk about budgeting for a wedding specifically, like the actual event if you are somebody who's getting married but this is gonna be more for people who are attending weddings, attending bachelorette or bachelor parties, maybe you're a maid of honor, maybe you're in a wedding, you have to travel for a wedding, all of the things that you know sort of come with having friends who get married. I want to do my usual housekeeping before we get into this episode, so as usual, if you enjoy this podcast, please go make sure that you leave me a review on Apple Podcast. If you're feeling nice, you can also write me a review, but just a regular review on Apple Podcasts is all that it takes. And if you wanna get your hands on the personal finance dashboard, you can use the code PODCAST1 for $10 off. That is a code for just my podcast listeners if you are new here. Um, I don't share it anywhere else. And I have seen so many of you guys use that code, so I'm really glad you're putting it to use and I hope you guys are enjoying the PFD. There is going to be, hopefully, a new iteration of the PFD coming out around Black Friday time. So as a reminder, if you are somebody who already has the personal finance dashboard, you get all of the updates so long as I continue to make them for free within the Teachable portal. If you wanna get your hands on the PFD before the updates come out, um, feel free to do that, again, using the code PODCAST1. I am pre-recording this episode because next week I'm going to La Jolla for a business retreat that I still need to sort of plan out all the things that I want to get done next week. But basically, I mentioned this in the last episode, I'm taking myself on a little retreat to just think about business planning for the next six or so months for Break Your Budget. I have so many ideas and stuff swirling around in my head and I just need to be somewhere outside of my apartment, outside of my usual routine, alone, where I can focus on being creative and like brainstorming and stuff. So at the time that you're listening to this, I will be in La Jolla. Make sure you're tuning in to my stories because I'm gonna be doing lots of polls and question boxes and all the things so that I can get some ideas from you guys about what you wanna learn, what you wanna see from me over the next couple of weeks and months going into 2023. Um, another update for you is the book club. If you have been following along on Instagram or if you are in the group me, I'm dealing with a lot of spam accounts in the group me. It's like there's no way to vet people to get into the actual group me. So I might end up doing something different because like that's so annoying. Um, but if you want to join the group me, you know, I update there with what we're reading, you know, ask some questions. I don't get a ton of response. I'm going to be completely honest. If you're in the group me and you don't respond, you should. Um, but I'm trying to make that more of a place where if we want to do more discussion or you want a little bit of extra accountability, you can go in there and join it. It's totally free. Um, but if you are following along with the book club, we're reading Atomic Habits for the month of October. And so... This week, coming up until yesterday, um, Tuesday the 10th or 11th, we're reading the fundamentals for next week. We're going to read the next little chapter chunk, maybe two chapter chunks, depending on how many pages it is. So tune into my Instagram stories for the updates on 
what we're reading, how much we're reading, and when you need to read it by. But Atomic Habits, I've already read, I've, I haven't read the whole thing, but I did read about half of it last year and really liked it. And then like life got busy and I didn't do it so, or didn't finish it. So I'm excited to read the whole thing. October, I'm trying to reset my life a little bit. So I think it's the perfect book for the theme of my month for me. Another update is the Hatch Alarm Clock. So I splurged and I got a $130 alarm clock. I'm not recommending you do the same just yet, but I will say I am obsessed with it so far. I have found over the last couple of months that it's been really, really hard for me to get up in the morning. The reason being is because I spend so much time late at night on TikTok and I'm making it my mission to stop doing that because it's not the life I wanna live. It's not a successful habit. It's not something that's conducive to my mental health and I'm very self-aware of it and I'm gonna break the habit. So the Hatch Alarm Clock has made it a lot easier for me to wake up at least this week just because it actually does what it says it's gonna do and it does gently wake you up. Like you choose your morning routine and your night routine. So at night I have it have like a red light and some rain sounds and I've been reading Atomic Habits. And then in the morning time, it does like a sunrise for me and I have it go off at six o'clock. So I set the alarm to go off at six, but at 5.30, 30 minutes before, it starts to gently make, wake me up with a sunrise and I'm finding that I'm waking up just before my alarm. So by the time my alarm goes off, I'm actually awake. And it's like, I have these nice chimes that wake me up. It's very peaceful, honestly. It's much better than, you know, having my phone, that noise that your phone makes, that the, the like alarm noises on the iPhone haunt me. I hate them. Um, and so I've been plugging my phone in at my desk, which is at the other side of my room. So when I wake up, I can't just like get on my phone. I just get up. Groundbreaking, you know, so far so good. I'm enjoying it. I've been finding that I'm less tired throughout the day because I think I'm getting maybe more restful sleep and I get tired earlier at night. Like last night, I literally was asleep, asleep, asleep. I shut asleep before nine o'clock. How did, I don't know how I did that. I don't know if I'm tired. I mean, I'm a little depressed, so that's definitely contributing to it, but overall, like 10 on 10 so far on the hatch alarm clock. Um, I also think too, it's been helping me be a little bit more focused and productive just because I'm getting better sleep. I'm waking up earlier. I'm able to get more work done. I've had an incredibly productive week. I think part of that has to do with, I'm really intentionally trying to spend some time alone. I think, you know, over the last three to four months, I've spent a lot of time with people. Um, I've really prioritized plans in the evenings and stuff, and I haven't had good boundaries about doing things that I wanna do and taking the time for myself just out of like either social pressure or like self-imposed social pressure. And I've kind of just reached the point where I don't care anymore. Like I can't keep putting pressure on myself to do things. I really need to focus on work and I'm not, I think, in a very good headspace to be like super, super social outside of like, you know, casual things. And so I'm just focusing on work stuff right now. And I'm in a good routine for the last couple of days. I'm feeling a little bit better. And you know, who knows? Maybe that'll change over the next couple of weeks. But for now, I'm enjoying this um, little bit of solitude. So I think that is all the updates for now, at least that are worth sharing. And so we can get into today's episode. 
I have a couple of things that I want to talk about. The first is my opinions on weddings and the cost of them, at the cost of them as a whole. So uh, buckle up because I got a lot of, a lot of thoughts on that. Um, and then I'll share with you guys some tips on how I like planned my sister's bachelorette keeping costs in mind. And then, you know, also some tips and stuff for saving up and planning to save up for traveling associated with attending weddings. Because if there's one thing I've learned is that when people get married, you know, you gotta go. There's really, I think, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it wherever they choose, you know, you gotta find a way to make it work if it's somebody who's close to you. And the best way to do that is to prepare in advance. So we'll get into how you can do that at the end of the episode. So first things first, Let's start with my opinions and I will preface this. I don't mean this in an offensive way to anybody. So anybody listening that knows me personally, it's not about you in particular. It's not about anyone. Same so if you don't know me and you're getting married soon, like I hope you have a wonderful wedding. This is just my opinion based on my experience. So hopefully you don't get mad. I'm going to try to deliver it nicely or softly. Um, but I think basically... Anybody who's listening to this, whether you're single, engaged and getting married, you already got married or you just got married, or you know, you want to get married, I want to get married at some point in my life, I think no matter what, we can all agree that the wedding industry and weddings are absolutely insane. And there are people who are spending hundreds, plural, of thousands of dollars on a wedding for like just a day. And there are people who probably shouldn't be spending, you know, 50 to 75k on a wedding for just a day. Like, I don't know why culturally we have normalized paying a year's worth of college tuition essentially for like one party. It's kind of insane and it blows my mind that this is something that we're doing now and have been doing for a while. You know, Personally, I guess after witnessing my sister plan a wedding, cost aside, because it's not my wedding, so I'm not the one paying for it, but all of the stuff that goes into it, you know, there are so many things that you need to think about that I honestly wouldn't have thought about if I was getting married right now, um, just between like decor and flowers and invitations and stamps and all this shit, you know, it's just a lot. It's totally crazy to me how much money we spend just on one day and then what the expectations are on other people for showing up. And like, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to have expectations that people are gonna show up, but I think, you know, if you're gonna be someone who has a destination wedding, you've gotta level set expectations on people who are coming and people who probably can't afford it and not be offended if somebody who's close to you can't make it work. So that's my first opinion. But beyond just the actual wedding, there are so many events that are part of getting married. And you know, there's two sides of this coin. I feel like one being, you know, hopefully you're only getting married once. So you're only getting this experience of having like a shower and a bachelorette or a bachelor's party one time. You know, even if you get married a second time, like it's not really the same. You're not doing a bachelor, a bachelorette party or whatever. It's very different. But like, even though, you know, you want to experience the whole wedding thing and all the events leading up to it, I just think that like 
there's so much stuff we do when really like why are we doing all of this before the actual wedding like why don't we just have the wedding why do we have to do all of this extra whatever i know it's tradition i mean i know why because it's tradition but i just like in my brain i'm like this is all kind of a lot um but if you are close to the bride or groom or you're in the wedding party, you're expected to be at everything. And if you can't attend something, it's like you have to send a, a message or whatever and be like, I'm so sorry and have like a real legitimate excuse. And a lot of times it's uncomfortable to be like, oh, I can't also come to your shower because I can't afford to buy another flight for your wedding. Like that is, I think, where we start to get into this next opinion of mine where I guess, and this is the one that's like kind of a hot take, but nobody cares about your wedding as much as you do. And I think personally, at least right now, I'm lucky that attending all of this stuff, so like going to my sister's bachelorette party and I'm flying to Charleston for one of my friend's weddings, like for me, at least in my current phase of life, like none of that is a big deal. Yes, it's expensive, but I have the money to do it. I've been planning for it in advance. It's not like it's breaking the bank for me to go and attend to these things. But I think what people forget when they get married, and again, I don't mean this to be offensive, is that literally your wedding is the most important day of your life, but it's not the most important day of everybody else's lives that's going or involved. It's like, to them, most or most people, you know, maybe not your immediate family and like your closest, closest friends, but for most people, it's just another wedding. And this is something that people don't realize. And I think that, you know, everybody who comes to your wedding is excited to celebrate you, but I think it gets lost on people who are so hyper-focused on like all of the details of their wedding and all of the events surrounding their wedding that maybe they forget to be considerate of the attendees or they get lost in stuff that like doesn't really matter and then they get offended when people maybe don't match their energy on something or like I said before, maybe can't show up to an event. I haven't personally experienced this. However, I have witnessed it in circles around me um, and I'm lucky I haven't experienced that but I guess the whole point that I wanna say is your wedding is not the most important time for everybody else and you really need to remember that when it comes to what you're asking of people, I guess. And that's not to sound like chastising or anything, that's not how I mean it, although I do feel like that could be how it comes off. I just mean to put into perspective, like does anybody else feel this way? Because I just feel like the whole wedding thing has gotten so out of hand and we've almost lost the whole point of why people get married and it's like, to celebrate love, not to like take a fancy Instagram and get a hundred more likes than you usually do, which is why I feel like so many people, this is another hot take, so don't hate me for it, but I feel like a lot of people are getting married much earlier than maybe they had anticipated or even really should be getting married because they want the Instagram clout and they want to like post about it. That could just be my own interpretation of my own Instagram feed, but I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of wedding posts that are like totally overdone and the validation I'm sure is nice, but I don't know. It's just a lot to take in. And this is, I think, part of just being an adult or like being in your 20s when everybody around you or everybody you went to college with is all getting engaged and getting married. You tend to ask yourself like, 
should they really be getting married? Or like, I don't know. So that's that. I'm going to stop talking about this before I say something that's going to get me in trouble. But if you relate to anything about that, let me know. Anyways, moving into the next phase of this is planning for my sister's bachelorette and like planning to attend a bachelorette and being in a wedding as a whole. So as a recap, I am the maid of honor in my sister's wedding. You know, it's just me and her. We don't have any other siblings. So I'm the maid of honor in her wedding. She will be, I guess, the matron of honor in my wedding. Um, but we went to Newport, Rhode Island on the first weekend of October. So like two weeks ago now for her bachelorette party. And since I'm the maid of honor, it was obviously my job to plan it. And honestly, I've never been on a bachelorette weekend before this or like been involved in a bachelorette weekend. I feel like given the fact that I'm 27, that's kind of surprising, but a lot of my friends are either single or like not engaged. So I just haven't reached that wave in my life where everybody that I know and all of my close friends are getting married. I really only have one close friend who's getting married and that's the one, like I said, that's in Charleston and I did not go to that bachelorette party. So, you know, this was my first one and I didn't really know what to do or what was involved or expected of me. I kind of just, you know, asked around and winged it, but I did from the beginning want to keep it reasonable because my sister's wedding is technically a destination wedding. Um, we live or like my family and 90% of my family and all of her friends that are attending this live in like the greater Boston, Massachusetts area and the weddings in Vermont. So it doesn't require a flight for most people, but it does require, you know, a, a pretty long road trip and a hotel for one to two nights, depending on when you're arriving. So it's technically a destination wedding. Lucky for me, because it's like my family's wedding. I don't have to pay for the hotel um, or like the place we're staying in. I'm kind of just along for the ride. But I did plan this whole thing. And to start, the first thing we chose was the destination, which was Newport. Newport can be expensive in the summer, but we were going off season, so it was much more reasonable. And I think if you are a maid of honor or you're in a bachelor at group, and you're figuring out where you wanna go, keeping the location in mind in the time of year that you go is important. Also keeping in mind whether or not everybody's gonna to need to book a flight or just be able to drive. I think rule of thumb is your wedding can only require, if it's going to require a flight, one flight from everyone. I think asking people to book multiple flights, like a flight to your bachelorette party and they'll need to book a flight to your actual wedding is too much to ask. I think that's totally unreasonable. So we chose Newport because it didn't require anybody besides me really and her actually, cause she lives in Oregon um, or Washington to book a flight. Everybody else was just able to drive there and will also be able to drive to her wedding. So we started with the Airbnb and that it kind of leads into my first tip and it's to get an Airbnb as opposed to getting a hotel. Obviously Airbnbs and hotels now have become, I think a little more close in price depending where you are, but Airbnbs have a lot of fees. So like sometimes they can be the same as a hotel, but when you have a big group, we had 10 of us total. I think an Airbnb is the way to go just because obviously you can split it evenly amongst everyone, but the Airbnb gives you more space for like pre-gaming, post-gaming, if you're gonna be doing all of that. And then you also have access to a kitchen, 
which I think is the big thing when you're with a big group and you don't want to be eating out every single meal. So we had everybody come down like Friday morning, Friday afternoon. We had snacks and stuff. And then on Saturday morning, instead of going out for like a like boozy kind of brunch, we just did brunch at home because we had access to a kitchen. We had a fridge. We had a stove. And so we did eggs and bagels and mimosas and everything. And that saved a ton of money because we weren't spending you know, 75 to $80 a person on brunch and drinks and then going to continue to drink. So I definitely would ebb on the side of Airbnb for that specific reason. Um, and that kind of leads into my next tip, which is have everybody contribute. So I specifically told people in advance to bring their drink and snack of choice. And the reason I did that was because I knew that everybody was gonna have their own preference on food and drinks and stuff, but also because I knew that would kind of cover the gamut on alcohol and it would save me from having to get like, or guess what people wanted to drink and get a ton of alcohol and then like have to Venmo everybody for it after. It was like, you brought what you wanted. So we had some people brought champagne. So we used that for the mimosas. Some people brought wine. So we did that on like Friday night, just kind of hanging out. Some people brought seltzer. So that was good for pre-gaming. Like, I think that asking everybody to bring something isn't a lot to ask, especially if it's you're just driving to it. Um, I also think that like, because bachelorette weekends can get so expensive, splitting the cost like that, where it's like everybody's bringing something that they like that they'll enjoy, takes a lot of pressure off the person who's planning it, where it's like, okay, so all I really had to think about was getting the Airbnb, planning the weekend, but like the actual logistics of stuff when we were going on it, like alcohol and food and everything, like I kind of delegated that to everybody else so that I didn't have to do everything. Um, also the reason why asking people to bring their drink and snack of choice is great is because it saves you money on like lunches and stuff. So we did like a big breakfast and then we did light lunch or like snacks and then went out to dinner again. And so that just kind of helps too from having to spend so much money on food when you're eating out all weekend. And also since we had alcohol at home, we didn't have to go out and buy tons and tons of drinks. So all good to keep in mind if you're trying to be con like conscious and cognizant of how much money you're spending on food and drink throughout the weekend. The, the next tip is to make sure that everybody coming, you can include this on like the itinerary or something, has either splitwise or tab. Choose whichever one you want to use, but having everybody have one of these makes splitting the bill at the end of the weekend so, 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 so much easier. The other option you can have is to have one person put everything on their card and then do the Venmos at the end. I actually did this myself for dinners and stuff because I wasn't really drinking during the weekend and so I didn't want to have to get stuck splitting everything evenly when I was ordering zero drinks and like people at the table were ordering five or six drinks. So I put everything on my card. Also, since I sort of coordinated the weekend, it just made sense. I put all of our dinners and stuff on my card. This was expensive. It ended up being like two grand on my credit card, which for me, I don't care because I'll get the points. I don't have any issues with my credit or credit limit or anything. And I knew everybody was gonna Venmo me back. Um, but if that's not the case for you, I would then more so just recognize or recommend Splitwise or Tab or sort of alternate. 
but don't be afraid to ask people to pay you back for stuff and don't be afraid to just split things. Like I think a lot of people get weird about money when they're in a big group where, you know, maybe they don't want to Venmo someone a couple bucks or anything. But if you have, or like you're trying to be conscious about your budget, you're reaching financial goals and stuff. Don't be shy about asking people to pay you what they owe you. That's part of the weekend is everybody's sort of chipping in. We also all agreed in advance that we would pay for the bride's meals and stuff. Um, so we just added that onto like the split. It ended up being like 20 bucks extra a person. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but that's also something that I would make sure you align on in advance. So if you don't, then it can be kind of awkward if you get like a charge and you didn't want to pay for her, you weren't planning or didn't budget to do that. So make sure you align on that in advance. If the maid of honor or whoever's planning it doesn't let you know in advance, don't be afraid to ask. I was the one who paid for my sister's Airbnb fee. Um, we didn't split that as a group. That was like my gift to her. But for all of the food and stuff and drinks and stuff, we all just split it um, for her portion. Um, my last quick, or actually my next quick tip, I have two more tips, is the gift bags. I feel very passionately about the gift bags. So for the maid of honors who are planning the weekend or anybody who's participating in planning the weekend, my biggest tip is to don't overdo the gift bags. I think there's this whole thing with bachelorette parties to have these big elaborate gift bags that you see on Pinterest that have embroidered bags with everybody's name on it and they're overflowing with just all of this junk. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to wear or get sunglasses that say like bride tribe or whatever. Like that's so lame to me at least and like also the group I was with. Nobody wants that and like that's only stuff you're gonna use that weekend. And then after that weekend, they're just gonna throw it away. So I was very intentional with the gift bags. I did do the gift bags and I covered the gift bags. I didn't like Venmo charge anybody for them. Um, but what I did was I just got like a tote bag with everybody's name on it. Cause I'm like, everybody can use a tote bag. I got a tumbler with people's names on it. I got Turkish towels, um, a hangover kit, and then just like stickers with her fiance's face on it. And then I printed out, I made an itinerary on Canva and I just printed it out on paper and stuck it in the bag so everybody knew what the plan was for the weekend. Um, and it was like, ended up being like $40 or so a bag. I ordered everything off of Etsy and it was super easy. Everybody liked it. It was just enough. There was nothing in there that people could be like, oh, like this is junk, I'm gonna throw it away. It was all stuff that you could use after the fact. And I just personally think that if you're trying to be cost conscious, you don't need to buy a bunch of stuff to give everybody. Like everybody has what they need. And like maybe if you have a theme night or something that you're planning, you could do like one item. Like if you're in Nashville, you could get everybody like a little cowboy hat. If you're going to the beach, you could get everybody a little hat with their name on it. But you don't have to buy everybody tons and tons of stuff. You're not responsible for giving people like sunscreen and moisturizer and all of this stuff. Like that's their responsibility to like, you know, keep themselves functioning on the weekend. It's not yours as the maid of honor or the planner. And it shouldn't be your financial responsibility either. I think, you know, 30 to $40 a piece on the gift bags, depending on how many people you bring or have is way more than enough. And it gets to be very expensive very quickly if you're not paying attention to what you're ordering and what you're putting in there. 
Also, I've never heard of somebody walk away from a bachelorette party being like, I wish the gift bag was better. Nobody really cares about that stuff. It's all the whole point of being there is to like spend time together and celebrate the bride. So I just think that it's important to not get lost in the details when it comes to those things and to really focus on what's practical, what makes sense, what's useful, what are people gonna take away from this and like how much money do I wanna spend on stuff that people are gonna throw away because basically that's money that you're throwing away as well. And also on the topic of gift bags, I wanna touch on decor. That's another thing that a lot of bachelorette parties have is like way too much decor, all of this stuff um, all over the walls, tons of pictures of the groom. Granted, my sister didn't want any of that, so that made it easier, but we did end up getting like one thing. I got like a balloon thing that said, batch that ass up, just cause I thought it was funny. I knew it would kind of annoy her, um, which I also thought was funny. So she thought it was funny. Like it was just enough. Like you don't need to have, you don't need to deck out the whole house. You choose one or two little decor things that are cute that you can take pictures in front of, but you don't need to have a thousand billion different things. You don't need to deck out the whole house or anything like pick and choose. And if you're going to do decor, you don't have to spend a ton of money on it. You can do like oh, some balloons or like decorate the bag. Like you can put tissue in the bag to sort of zhuzh it up or fluff it up a little bit, but you don't have to do hundreds and hundreds of dollars of decor and gift bags for people. Um, my last quick tip here is about activities. So it is important to make sure you have the weekend planned and that you have things going on to fill the weekend. Um, but it's also important to remember that the best part of weekends away with a big group are those times that you're just sort of hanging out. And so I would recommend doing maybe like one to two paid activities that aren't like dinner and stuff. And then the rest of the time you can fill with like low cost or free activities. So what I mean by that is our original plan for the weekend was everybody got there Friday afternoon. We did a happy hour at the Castle Hill Inn and then we went out to dinner and went out. So the paid activity there was like the happy hour. And then dinner and going out was just like part of the gig. So that I don't really count as an activity more so as I do is just like what we're doing at being part of like this type of weekend. The next day it did rain. So the plans got foiled, but the original plan was to do like a long walk on the breakers, which is like a, spe a specific part of Newport where there's mansions and stuff just to get a little bit of movement in for the morning, let everybody sleep in, then do the long walk. And then we were gonna do um, a boat cruise in the afternoon and then like go out to dinner and um, get drinks and then everybody would leave Sunday morning. Because it rained, what we ended up doing was sleeping in, doing brunch at home, and then we went to two different wineries in the afternoon and then we went out for dinner and drinks and stuff and did a little bit of shopping. Um, the paid activity was going to be the boat, but instead it was the winery tour or like the winery afternoon tasting thing that we did. So you don't have to do like a spin class and, you know, a boat cruise or a boat or a party boat or whatever. You only have to choose like one thing and that's plenty for the weekend. And you can fill the rest of the time with a long walk or you know, shopping in the town, which I, I guess is paid, but like you don't have to buy anything, like that kind of stuff. Um, 
You don't have to have tons and tons of ac expensive activities to have a nice time. So those are my tips um, for keeping like a bachelorette party low cost. That's what I learned and experienced. I think, you know, there's going to be sliding scales on how much things cost, what people are willing to spend. I think too, as a maid of honor or whoever's planning, and even if you're attending, I think it's important to be upfront and transparent about expectations and what you're willing to pay. So if you are the maid of honor, you can't assume that everybody going wants to pay what you are willing to pay. I think it's important to survey the group and get an idea on what's reasonable for people and what you expect of people who attend the bachelorette party. I don't know why we don't normalize this and why we just expect people to complete a Venmo request at the end of the weekend without telling them this is what we're doing. Um, I think it's really important and it is your responsibility if you're a maid of honor to communicate that with people. And it's just honestly the right thing to do. But if you are somebody who is attending a bachelorette party, I think before you agree to it, you should talk to the maid of honor. You should get an idea of what she has planned and an understanding or at least an estimate of what you're gonna be spending before you agree to go. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, I don't think I can make this work. And then, you know, when they go, just send them a round of drinks or something. Like you don't have to make it a federal case and you don't have to do something you don't wanna do or can't afford that's not even for the actual wedding. I would say the only time where you kinda need to figure it out is if it's like your best friend or your sister or something, in which case you're probably already planning for it anyways, so it doesn't really come at a, as a surprise. But if it's somebody who's like kind of either a peripheral friend or maybe someone you've drifted with since you became friends or whatever, I wouldn't put all the pressure on because again, as long as you're making an effort to go to the wedding and you're gonna be at the wedding and you're gonna be present and celebrate you know, their day, you don't have to do everything else. But that's just my thought. So this last part of this episode, I guess, is just gonna be budgeting and like strategies to budget to attend all of these things. So we've talked about like tips to keep costs down, but you know, even when you keep costs down, you still gotta go. I think what I spent in total for the weekend was a little over a thousand dollars, but keep in mind, I spent double on the Airbnb. So the Airbnb was 330 a person. I spent two of that because I covered my sisters. I spent about $150 on food and stuff because I didn't drink. And then I spent like $350 to $400 on those bags. So yeah, it was definitely a little bit over $1,000. But I had planned for that. And I planned for that using a wedding sinking fund. And I've talked about this on my page a handful of times, but essentially a sinking fund is like a way to save for short-term goals. So it's it's, just a high yield savings account or like a separate savings account where you can contribute money to over a period of time that you know you're gonna spend, you just don't really know like when. So I think attending weddings or a travel fund is a really great thing or like a great reason to have a sinking fund. Basically for me, I knew like two or three years ago that I was gonna be attending some weddings, you know, probably all within the same six months. It ended up only being two weddings and I will spend all of the money that I had in my sinking fund for this. Um, and I'll need to, you know, replenish it over the next year or two before the next round of weddings happens. But 
I knew I was gonna be going to my sister's wedding. I had an idea she was gonna be getting engaged. And I knew for a fact my friend who's getting ma married in Charleston, I knew she was gonna be getting married and I knew it was gonna be in Charleston. And I knew it was gonna be, you know, more of an expensive wedding for me to attend. And so I intentionally planned for that years in advance. I would say like two to three years in advance, I started saving like $200 a month. So it wasn't crazy. Um, but it was enough where over time, you know, I had accumulated a couple thousand dollars to use on these weddings. And if you are, let's say you just graduated college or something, or you're, you know, below 25 and you know your friends are going to start getting married in a couple of years, start saving now because it's very hard to make it all work if you don't have any money saved for it. And all of a sudden you have five friends who are getting married and you need to go to their wedding and their bachelorette party. It's very, very, very expensive. I would say like for each one, it's a thousand bucks at a minimum if you have to buy flights and you have to get a hotel. Like for me to go to my friend's wedding in Charleston, the hotel alone is gonna cost $1,500. Granted, because I'm flying from LA to Charleston and it's a cross country flight and it's like a lot of travel, I'm going an extra two or three days. So that adds on to the cost of the hotel. But like I had to use a lot of points to get the flight. The flight was like $400. And then, you know, I have to get a gift and I have to eat all week. My mom though is actually coming to stay with me there. And we're gonna like explore Charleston cause none of us have been and she's always wanted to go. So I'm sure she'll pay for some of the meals, which is amazing, but I'm paying for the hotel. So, you know, it's just one of those things that's like, it costs what it costs. And you've got a plan in advance so that you can show up for these people and that when it's your turn, they'll show up for you, hopefully with the same energy. The next thing that I wanna to touch on is gifts. So again, there are all of these expectations that for every event you have to send a gift. So like if you didn't attend the shower, you have to send a gift. If, even if you do attend the shower, you have to send a gift. If you're going to the wedding, you know, it's 100 to $150 per head. So if you're bringing a plus one, whatever gift you were gonna give, you have to times it by two. Um, for me, for my sister's shower, I didn't get her a gift. I paid for her Airbnb for the bachelorette party and I'm her maid of honor. That's a gift in itself. I'll give her a gift at the wedding. But for my friend's shower that I couldn't attend because um, it was in Boston and I was here, I sent her a gift and it was like $50. And then for the wedding, I'll give them a gift for probably like 100 or $150. I was just gonna cut them a check. So like, you've gotta think about that and factor that into their costs. I think a reasonable gift for any wedding is anywhere between 100 to $150 per person that you're going. So again, if you're bringing a plus one, whatever you're getting, times it by two. Um, the other thing is dresses and like apparel for attending a wedding or being in a wedding. So for my friend's wedding that I'm going to, I haven't picked my final dress yet, but I splurged on one and then I bought two that were less expensive. I think it all comes down to the venue and the uh, like attire that they expect. So her wedding is black tie optional, which I didn't know. So that sort of changes things. I need to buy a long dress instead of like a cocktail dress. Um, and my sister's wedding, I'm in it. So I had to buy like a bridesmaid's dress and I bought my bridesmaid's dress off of this website called Azazi and their dresses are super cheap. They're like $99 or something and they fit great. Like I have to get it taken like tailored cause it's a little bit long, but I didn't ha I bought one dress 
tried it on, fit me perfectly, and it was literally under $100. Like, what more could you ask for? I think if you're gonna be in a wedding and you can't really pick your dress, just get one that's not super expensive, unless the bride is like telling you what you have to wear, which I think we stopped doing that. I think for bridesmaids dresses, like what my sister is doing, luckily we're all wearing black, but basically she just said, it needs to be long, it needs to be tight, it needs to be black. And ideally it will be like spaghetti strap or one shoulder. But she was kind of like, I want you to feel good. I want you to be comfortable. It doesn't really matter. Just send it to me before you buy it. Um, which I think is a great strategy. I think, you know, having all matching dresses of a weird color, not letting people choose and also making them pay a couple hundred bucks for it, pretty annoying. Not really the best strategy in my personal opinion. I think, you know, but I guess that's just part of being in a wedding um, and what you agree to when you're a bridesmaid. So if you can use Azazi, check it out. Lulu's too has really great dresses for attending a wedding and for being in a wedding. Both of those websites are awesome. So I think that's all that I had. I know I hit you guys with a lot of hot takes, but hopefully some good tips for being in a wedding and just like planning for them in general. I am curious if you agree with any of these, let me know. Um, if you disagree with any of these, let me know. I'm gonna be posting probably not the week this goes up just because like I said, I'm gonna be in La Jolla, but at some point I'm gonna be posting some surveys on my Instagram. I do already have an Instagram highlight called weddings with people's thoughts and opinions on some different questions I've asked. I'll do a refresh of that within the next couple of weeks because I always think it's fun to see what people think. I feel like I'm for sure not alone in my opinion, but I also am someone who's never like, I didn't grow up dreaming of my wedding day. Like it wasn't something that I've always been like, I can't wait to be a bride. Where I know there are lots of women out there who did grow up feeling that way and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to have a really big special day. My opinion, at least for me, is I wanna have a very small wedding. I don't want it to be a big thing and I'd rather use that money on other stuff. But that's just my opinion. I don't have a boyfriend so Whoever I marry, maybe my opinion will change when I'm in a relationship, but at the time, I don't really care about it um, or like having a big to-do. So like I said, I hope this was helpful for you and I'll catch you guys in the next one.